Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hi everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of No Really, I'm Fine. And I have got my partner in crime back, Michael. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Hello, how are you? <laughs> I've been very lonely without you on the podcast. It's been uh, very strange. <laughs> I know, well, it's just, I. it's just this, this extraordinary time, as people are saying, that we live in. It's just so busy and life's just been... Are just a series of roller coasters for like for those that don't know I um not only look after our podcast I look after a load of other podcasts for our company and we've been changing to a new platform called DAX which you no one here needs to worry about um basically it's just a back-end thing who helps we've got a new company um which is associated with global that helps us produce our podcast which is really exciting news that we're joining the global family which is really exciting but I've been sort of managing that for the whole company so I've just been a bit bit busy <laughs> yeah it's been a strange time for us all hasn't it and me and Matt have been looking after the podcasts while you've been busy, but you're back now and we've finally done an episode together. Well, sort of, as much as we can, you know, during this crazy time. But we've we've both interviewed doctors, haven't we? And both of them have a very different take on the coronavirus in terms of what they've experienced. So who did you speak to, Michael? Yeah, so um, I spoke to um, a doctor called um, Kishan Badalia, who he is uh, on the front line uh, at the moment, and he is you're doing an absolutely fantastic job. What was quite interesting was <laughs> as I was speaking to him, he actually told us during the podcast, which he, I don't think he shared before, that actually for the last couple of weeks, um, he's been dealing with a very mild, well, I don't think it was very mild, but he said a mild version of coronavirus of COVID-19. And basically it's just, he was telling us how he's been coping and actually he's just so positive. And I think it was really interesting for someone from this sort of medical background to actually tell us about how they've been going through dealing with COVID-19, being in lockdown, being away from the family and how he's been trying to stay positive. He's been doing something called NH Sessions, which is NH Session, if that makes, which is NHS <laughs> Sessions. I, and um, he's been doing this to sort of, because he's a DJ um, in his spare time and I don't know how he has spare time as a doctor. But anyway, he's been- Doctor slash um, DJ, hey, I'm intrigued. <laughs> I know. So he talks about that. So we're going to start with that. And then we've got your interview as well, haven't we? Yes. So I speak to Dr. Rada, who is a very popular doctor and she is also a broadcaster and she hosts um, BBC Radio 1's podcast Life Hacks. And she has been offering lots of useful tips and advice about how to deal with your mental health during this um, crazy time and during this um, 
lockdown. She also discusses anxiety in depth and how, you know, you can challenge your mind and change your mind into positive thoughts when you wake up and and in the evening. And it was just nice to speak to her because I found that some of her videos that she's been personally uploading on her Twitter platforms have been really calming to me and um, it was just nice to speak to her really. So it's a very different take from from yours, Michael, in terms of she hasn't had coronavirus, thank, thank you. Um, but, um, you know, she has lots of experience with the mental health side of things and, and how we can all, you know, get on with our lives as best as possible. Yeah, and we should say, for those eagle-eyed listeners may have noticed that actually this is an, an extra episode. So um, we've, um, this is a bank holiday special, I suppose, for us. It's um, where we obviously normally go out on a Tuesday, but we've got this episode. And then next week, oh, we've got another, <laughs> another huge episode for us next week as well. So mm-hmm. um, we have very, very special guest, um, Megan Crab, a.k.a. Body Posy Panda on Instagram. She is. I love her. Yeah, she's such a huge mental health name, like a massive inspiration to me, like personally as well. And so next week's episode is really exciting, but so is today's episode as well. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's good to speak to, you know, lots of different types of guests on on how they're finding this time. You know, whether it's you know tips to look after your mental health from from our doctors that we're going to hear from today. Or, you know, whether it's what to eat during coronavirus lockdown and, you know, whether you need to care about it or not. And Well, you know. yeah, definitely, because I'm just I'm sick of seeing online lots of stuff about, oh, when I come out of um, when I come out of lockdown, I'm going to be a hundred stone or whatever like this. And then people posting pictures of like really obese people. Um, and saying, you know, this will be me after lockdown. And actually that's, you know, that's not funny. It's actually fat phobic. And that's exactly, you know, what we talk about in next week's week's podcast. Yeah. So as well. So we've got two, we've got two really good episodes. So, you know, it's, yeah. it's a real nice warm up into Mental Health Awareness Week at the end of the month as well. And hopefully we can find more, more time to chat, Michael, because, you know, we're, I'm sure you are as well but I'm missing our little studio sessions and seeing seeing your face so um I, I know it feels weird more. I'm currently sat in my I'm, I'm in my mum's living room <laughs> at the moment <laughs> and then because you're you've got you've got I've seen on I've seen on um Instagram you've got a little room haven't you now I have yeah it's just it just feels a bit echoey because I feel like I need to put a bit more furniture in here but it's all right for now yeah yeah I've made it I've made it cozy Anyway, without further ado, here's the episode for today. Enjoy. So I'm joined by Kishama Dahlia, who is not only a doctor on the front line at the moment, but is a DJ as well. And you're using these two things to come together to bring a bit of joy in the lockdown, which is great. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But we always start by asking our guests, are they really fine today? So how are you and are you feeling good? Hi, Michael. Thanks for having me. To be perfectly honest with you, I am feeling good today. I'm feeling fine. It's been definitely a difficult time. There's a lot of sort of anxieties and uh, physical and emotional challenges that are 
building up as we go through this difficult situation. But at this point in time, I'm feeling all right. So yeah, thank you for asking. No, no, that's good. And I, I guess right now is just this really weird time for all of us, isn't it? Yes. I mean, it's a, it's a situation that none of us ever could have imagined we'd be facing. It's it's unique. It's presenting so many difficulties. And I think over time, we'll heal, we'll get better. Um, but yes, we'd be, we need to be completely aware of our physical and mental health just so that we can get through this together. And and you're not just on the front line, but you're also, you just said to me before, you're self-isolating. So you, I'm guessing you're away from family and friends and things like that. So, you know, I'm guessing that's taking a bit of a toll, but I guess you're trying to stay as positive as you can. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I developed a few symptoms after one of my night shifts last week and following occupational health guidance and following government guidance, I decided to self-isolate and Follow that guidance, I got swabs and it came back positive within within one day. And yeah, it's been a difficult week, but I never thought I'd really be saying this. But weirdly enough, when I found out I was COVID positive, I felt reassured and actually quite happy that I'd had I was given a reason as to why I was feeling unwell and having that slight reassurance that perhaps my chance of getting it again in the future might be slightly lower. But on the flip side, I have these worries and anxieties that every day is different and I could easily fall more and more unwell. Um, yesterday was a good day. To be honest, today I'm feeling more chesty and more tired. One day at a time, and yeah, see how it goes. My goodness, I didn't, I didn't actually realise that, that that this had happened. So because we've been talking for weeks, so yeah, um, and it's mostly been my fault for um, for us taking a few weeks to get to chat. No, not but, at all. but I didn't realise that had happened. So that's crazy. So you know, you know, is, was it sort of have you had sort of mild symptoms or has it been? you know, how's it, how's it been for you? So I've always had a mild amount, a mild form of asthma, nothing that's ever bothered me or been a problem. I manage it with inhalers every now and again. I also suffer with hay fever around this time. So when I started to get a bit of a, sort of a chesty cough and sort of difficulty with breathing, which is very, very mild, I just put it down to being hay fever or, or asthma. But then when I thought about it after my night shift, I thought, you know what, let's play this safe. And, uh, yeah, they were just mild symptoms, but then before I knew it, within sort of 24 hours, I developed a head cold, which got worse over another 24 hours. And then that resolved. And then the chestiness and shortness of breath kind of ramped up a little bit. I went for a walk around my garden and I was feeling very tight chested and that's where I started to become more worried. But yeah, mostly mild symptoms, no fevers just yet. I think I had one, one temperature spike on one occasion, but other than that, feeling pretty good, just feeling a bit tired at times. Um, so yeah, nothing to complain about just yet. And I guess it's suppose it can really take a bit of a, a strain on your mental health because obviously I'm not, I know I am a journalist and I live in this media world and like, but obviously everything you see in the media, it creates this sort of hype around coronavirus and COVID-19, all that sort of stuff. And it really does start to play on your mind, doesn't it? And, and, you know, when you find, I, I can, I, I can only imagine if you found out to, be, to become positive, you sit and, and the first thing you think is all of the things that you've been seeing going online and things like that. For definite. And I think in some ways I feel like I'm in a slightly more um, privileged position. I've been able to go to work every single day and work with my colleagues who I consider my friends. So I've had that social interaction inside of work. Now, I, I, I can't even imagine what it's been like for people who've been stuck at home in isolation. Just the, being on your own and not being able to do your daily activities is incredibly, um, incredibly claustrophobic. I, I can't imagine what that's like. But for me, myself, 
seeing sort of the, yeah, the media hype around COVID, but also seeing how my patients have reacted to it so very, very badly. The unpredictable nature of it gives us so many anxieties, so many worries. Um, having to break bad news to family members is incredibly heartbreaking. So yeah, we have that level of strain as well. And I, I guess my main fear at this point of time is the unknown, not knowing how I'm going to develop over the next few days, but also for my friends, family, and my colleagues who, who I'm very close to. And if they were to fall ill, we don't know what would happen. Got it. And, and it just, it just, I, I know it's, it can, uh, you sound when you're talking so really positive and I guess, and I mean, I don't, I, I suppose simply how, you know, how do you stay so positive? Like, you know, you, you, you're talking about, you know, these horrible situations where obviously people are dying and it's a really sad time and, and, and you've, and you've got to be on that front line of saying that. I mean, first of all, that's, you know, absolute hats off to you because, you know, I, I, I just know I don't have that strength in me to do that. So I'm just wondering how, how you actually manage to build that strength to do that sort of thing. I think it's, I've, I've faced so many challenges over the last few weeks. There's, there's times where I feel incredibly low, worried, uh, emotional. And there are certain people I reach out to, like my mum, my dad, to give me some reassurance, but also talking to those who I work closely alongside. So I do consider myself to have quite a good sort of social uh, support network in that way. But I have to be honest with you, um, I have to keep uh, sort of pushing and coming up with ideas, keeping myself busy in order to keep my spirits up. And this is why I created this project called NH Sessions to sort of lift spirits. It gave me a release outside of work to post daily videos of creatives, but also to keep myself entertained and sort of stimulated and sort of enjoying enjoying the things at home that I used to enjoy out, like gigs or concerts or whatever. Um, but also now it's, I realize it's having a positive impact on sort of the wider community. And, you know, it's giving me something productive and positive to focus on. And that's what's making me feel good right now, despite all the, the negative things that are happening around the world. You're also a DJ. And I guess in your, I would love to say your spare time, but where does a junior doctor find spare time, right? <laughs> you In your spare time, you're... You're, you're a DJ and you've done a lot of stuff. You've done things with Radio 1 and various things about that. So this NH, am I saying that right? N, is it NH? NH Sessions. I can't, it's it's going to get me because I have one saying NHS Sessions. Yeah. <laughs> and talk, tell me a little bit more about that and what you've been doing. Right. So, yeah, I guess I've been DJing since I was started university. I, I've always loved music, always been playing sort of saxophone, playing the clarinet and piano and bands. Going to university, I was exposed to this massive nightclub, this partying culture. I mean, I didn't go out that much, but I thought it was pretty cool whenever I went out there. And I thought, you know what, let's put my uh, sort of music knowledge into something a bit different now. So I, I got into DJing, um, played a few gigs here and there. I got involved in a, a student-led record label called New Street Records, where we sort of gave artists career springboards and developed sort of the, the, work, the experience of the team within New Street Records to help them get careers within the music industry, which is such a mysterious business. And going from there, I just sort of developed my DJ, DJ career in parallel to that, entered a few DJ contests, and I won one. I entered one that was incre incredibly life-changing, actually. And um, it was run by a festival called Tomorrowland. And from there onwards, I kept going with it, graduated from med school. And um, yeah, here we are today. I'm sort of releasing remixes for artists. I'm 
on the radio from time to time doing guest mixes and yeah playing some cool gigs i mean how, how do i did say it before how do you find the time to do this as well as because i'm guessing if you're a so you do your doctor and you technically still are studying if that makes sense so i suppose they say that yeah. you're 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 still studying for like forever when you're a doctor aren't you so that so how does that work i mean yeah you're right you're spot on there medicine is lifelong learning it's inspiring actually to see the consultants who are incredibly senior still learning and loving to read research papers then sharing with us so yeah you're you're completely right there to be honest with you i graduated less than a year ago i graduated in july and i was started started working in a and e for four months then a respiratory ward two incredibly full-on and busy jobs which i absolutely loved but then following from that um i found it quite different uh, sorry not, not different difficult to to manage time so I would go through phases of being able to do music and uh, not being able to do music. I always had to focus on my own health, like gym and exercise, just to keep myself feeling positive and just as healthy, really. So to be honest, in the last nine months, I've not really had a great deal of time to do it. But I guess it's the, um, I've, I've been doing this for a few years now, and it's just those small steps that I try and achieve over a long period of time that I suppose helps me make progress. So it's not something that, I'm doing every day or even every week. I'm doing it every now and again, but I try and goal set and set myself realistic targets so that I can manage my time in that way. And, and I suppose the other thing is you you mentioned about it before is is keeping yourself just pushing on, which is is great. But I was wondering, actually, do you feel that actually there might be a time when that runs out? And if you thought about how you might be able to manage you, you to manage yourself when when all of this is over and well not it's probably not going to be over for a long time but you know when this starts to sort of normality comes back do you think are you sort of looking forward to that yet or just thinking about right now i think i'm thinking to the future is a very odd odd concept right now it's so difficult to plan because we don't know what's going to happen to be honest right now i'm actually living in the present i'm taking every day at a time trying to sort of keep my spirits up, keep my health going and sort of really just planning to get back to work so I can help my colleagues sort of deal with this the situation we're in. I don't know when we're going to come out of lockdown. I don't know when we're going to return back to normality. I definitely have things that I'm looking forward to doing um, in the music side of things, but also sort of medicine career side of things. So yeah, I'm staying focused on those objectives, but you know, we have to take it one day at a time. What What are you, <laughs> yeah, I think you, you maybe said it a little bit, earlier but what are you missing the most at the minute <laughs> uh, the thing i'm probably missing most is actually normal social interaction outside of work and just to get out of the house really i miss going to my favorite restaurants for definite there's one particular uh, restaurant called nando's that i do miss i was thinking the other day i spent five that, weeks that, sm- that small little uh, that small <laughs> chicken shop nando's that just <laughs> i know it's been I, I realized last week it's been five weeks since i last went definitely a world record for me i think i must go at least every two weeks with my best friends on a on a friday night or a weekend maybe even two three times at the best at the best of times even when i was in asia traveling last year i managed to find one every three or four days with my best friend and I don't know how I've gone these last five weeks. <laughs> no, well, I thought you might have said, I thought you might have said missing sort of 
you going out and going like to the clubs and doing like the DJ <laughs> sort of stuff because that is what I'm missing. Like, because I live in Liverpool and Liverpool's like oh, yeah. Liverpool's clubbing scene is just incredible. And we were sitting going, get us back to Superstar Boudoir, like, which is like one of the yeah. big clubs in Liverpool. And we're, like, get us back, we need it in our lives. But I, that's what I'm missing. But <laughs> yeah. So just briefly, I just I, I don't really want to dwell on the negatives too much, but I obviously at the moment you're going through. Um, having COVID nineteen or is it is it right? This is something you can clear up for me. COVID night is it COVID nineteen or is it coronavirus or what's the difference? Because I don't know. <laughs> Basically, we've got coronavirus is uh, a, a group of different viruses. There are there is there are different types of viruses. So, for example, you might know the flu. We've got influenza, and within these, there are different strains. So, COVID nineteen is. A particular strain of coronavirus. That's probably the best way of explaining it. So, COVID nineteen is, is is the I do know this. So, is is what your is 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 what essentially that you're going through right now and and having you've been having the the mild symptoms of that. So, I mean, I I, I didn't really want to dwell on it too much, but if you're able, I sort of why didn't I don't know if it, it might be useful for some of the people at home because I feel like because there is this uncertainty around what you know there's there's this a lot of fear so if it so obviously i stood i suffer really badly from anxiety and yeah. depression and the thing is with with anxiety and my co-host Gemma, she's really struggled because of the actual anxiety of actually having covid19 so i don't know if it's very useful i think this is so useful for our listeners to hear possibly a little bit about what you've what it's physically been like for you to live with 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 COVID-19 right now? Physically, it's been quite difficult. Um, as I mentioned before, when I was first uh, developing symptoms, I was a little bit nervous because I realized actually possibly I've been in contact with other colleagues at work during my night shift who, um, I guess maybe, I guess there are other colleagues who may have passed on to me. I'm not sure at what, what point I caught it, but towards the end of the shift, I developed a slight cough and you have these fears about, have I got coronavirus? Has one of my colleagues got it, and are they going to fall ill soon? Um, and we just don't know who who's giving it to who. So there's this, there's this worry around who's going to fall ill. I suppose living with it, I then got swabbed, um, and when they told me it was positive, I was slightly reassured. My symptoms were, were mild, had a bit of a head cold. And, um, yeah, I was reassured for a few reasons, thinking my chance of getting it again might be lower, but then again, we don't really understand this concept of reinfection so well just yet. Um, but then on the flip side, yeah, immense anxieties. I've had days where I felt good. Um, I wake up feeling bright. I remember my sister once calling me in the morning saying, how are you doing today? I said, I feel brilliant. She was very happy for me, but then hit 3 p.m. I suddenly started to dip, felt very, very tired, felt very weak, very chesty, very breathless. And this cycle repeated over three, four days. And I've just begun to realize how unpredictable this course of coronavirus is. I'm currently on day 10 and I'm due to go back to work on Sunday, having done sort of the seven-day isolation. But I definitely don't feel well enough to go back. I feel very, very fatigued. And I've spoken to my consultants who are very, very supportive. And they said, look, if you're not feeling well, don't come back. Despite this, these rules around how long you should self-isolate. We, we don't know the course of this disease. People are saying you can be much more unwell after day 10, things like that. So I think it's very individual. Let's just see how it goes. I suppose for you, you you're, you're lucky because the, because you are on that front line and you are, you know, where it is happening. You know, the the fact that you've been able to to catch it, to to to, to be able to 
to discover that you had coronavirus possibly quite early on than actually it's been a, a bit of a blessing in disguise, for, I suppose, because you, you know, were able to catch it quickly, but also that once you're feeling better, you know there's probably a sense of relief there knowing I've had this, so actually I can go back and do the work that I need to be doing, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, it's a very, very difficult time. I am anxious about going back to work. Um, I don't know how it's going to play out. I think there's a lot of factors to consider. Self-isolating, maintaining that social distance from colleagues. Um, but yeah, it gives me a lot of sort of worries and anxieties for those who are around me, not just for my own personal health. I think it's those who are around me I'm actually most worried about. Yes, of course. Now, um, obviously, you've been doing these DJ sessions, which we've already talked about. If I want to listen to these DJs, obviously, watch them because you've been doing them as videos, haven't you? Yeah, that's so, right. I, yeah, sorry, carry on. Yeah, go on. So if I want to tell me all about how if we want to join, are they daily, weekly, month? Or how, how are they looking? So I've launched NH Sessions over on my Instagram profile. The handle is at Bodalia DJ. That's B-O-D-A-L-I-A DJ. The aim is to lift spirits and celebrate our frontline workers. So I'm posting daily videos of creatives now. Initially, it was just DJs, but I'm now getting live performances. And I want to keep everyone sort of stimulated and enjoying what I'm bringing them every single evening. So, yeah, it's over on my Instagram profile. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to announce some of the artists. They're just getting bigger and bigger, getting some really incredible influence getting behind it as well. And completely open to ideas. And if there's any listeners out there who have talents that they want to get in front of um, an audience and sort of celebrate the hard work of our frontline workers, then please do get in touch. So I'm guessing the, the best way would be to get you on your Instagram. So we'll post yeah. those links uh, in the description of the episode. So as this episode's playing, if you scroll down, you'll see the description links. The link's in there so we can get to that, which would be quite good. So more people can have a listen, which would be great. That'd be brilliant, yeah. Thank uh, you. Um, just finally, I just would maybe just like to talk a little bit about staying positive in general during this time. Obviously, you're saying that you're being separated from your family, which, you know, I'm really lucky that I've I'm staying with my family at the moment. So that's really great for me. But you're yeah. not everyone has that situation. Some people may be in alone as you. You said before that you were trying to stay as positive as you can um, and keeping yourself busy. You know, was there anything which you'd recommend for other people to to do apart from watching uh, Netflix <laughs> all the time? <laughs> I suppose De definitely. I think there's two sides to this. I think one part of this for our own sanity and mental health is to accept to some degree that we have to uh, adapt to this new form of lifestyle and accept what's happening right now. I know it's incredibly difficult. But we have to do what we can to adapt to the current situation. Now. The other side of things is that we can then try and integrate things that we used to do um, before the situation into our daily lives now. So, for example, when people are doing these sort of online video calling, they're um, phoning each other more often, they're doing pub quizzes online. These sorts of things are ways of bringing in the old uh, sort of normal things that we used to do into the current situation. And then in terms of adapting to being um, stuck at home, we have to find ways to um, stay healthy in our mind. So that could be physical health, um, which may be going for walks. We should definitely uh, follow the guidelines about uh, going going for our walks when we can once a day or whatever the, the latest guidelines are. Um, because 
physical health will contribute and support our mental health. So I think these are two really, really important things to consider. Good morning, Rada. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, hi, Gemma. It's so lovely to join you. It's really lovely to hear your voice. And <laughs> yeah, it kind of gives you that sense of connection, doesn't it? At a very strange time. So thank yeah. you so much for having me on. No, thank you. And we start off by asking all our guests um, on, on the podcast, are you really fine? Mm. Hence the name. So <laughs> are you really fine today, Rada? Um, I'm doing okay-ish today, actually. It's, I, I have to say, I find mornings the worst, actually, um, because I think there's that moment where you sort of wake up and you try to get orientated and then you remember sort of what's going on. And so for me, I think mornings um, during this period have been sort of probably the most difficult time, actually, in terms of sort of just feeling quite anxious. Um, so I've been trying to sort of work out little steps and little things that I can do for myself to get myself kind of going in the morning um so yeah I'm, I'm doing I'm doing okay I think like everybody in this period you go through different phases don't you so initially when it first started I was very much in kind of proactive right what can I do type phase then I went through a bit of a sort of shock phase and then a, a sort of angry phase and now I'm sort of like okay what's the reality so I think it's um and that can be from day to day, but also just from moment to moment, I think I'm finding, just like a lot of my friends are as well. Mm. It's interesting how, you, how you, um, mornings affect you, because for me, it's the other way around. It's more the evenings, because I yeah. find I can be really busy throughout the day. And then when it comes to time to relax, I feel like that's when, perhaps for me, more negative thoughts are allowed um, yes. to, to yes. come into the, to the mind, really, because you've not got much to do. Yeah, that's true. And I think it's really interesting, isn't it? I think all of us are, well, we, we kind of having the opportunity to reflect on, you know, what, what actually affects us and when and, and what we can actually do and who we are. Because I think sometimes the conversation around mental health or emotional well-being, sometimes it can become quite generalised. And I think actually at this time, although it's really challenging, there is an opportunity, like you say, for us to sit down and go, OK, who am I? Um, what's my mental health doing at the moment? What things do I find challenging and, and what times do they occur? And then kind of take the opportunity to think, OK, well, if, if that's what my sort of mental health um, sort of well-being profile, if you like, looks like my individual one, um, then what can I do and, and what kind of tools can I use for myself mm. to help myself? And that's why I think, you know, podcasts like yours are fantastic because they really just help everyone share and learn and listen to each other about what might help them. Um, so I know I've, I've actually written um, a post for evenings sort of anxiety because a lot of people were saying to me after the, I posted my morning one, they're like, can you do one for the evening? Because that's when I find it most challenging. So you're definitely not on your own in that, in that Gemma at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've been following your, your Twitter quite closely since we entered lockdown. And it's fair to say or describe it as perhaps an encyclopedia of knowledge and useful tips. There's so much information on your Twitter and oh, it's it's, it's really helpful and it's certainly help, helping me and, and, and I'm sure oh, it's helping thousands of others. And the one main theme that seems to be coming up, um, you know, as, as your one piece of, you know, crucial advice is, is the five C's. So do you want to talk to me a little bit about that? Yeah, definitely. Thank you for your lovely words. It's actually helping me too to sort of, um, all the posts that I put out are often things that I'm going through myself or my friends are, or my family are. So it's really lovely to hear that. Thank you. So basically, yeah, the five C's. I was doing um, 
quite a lot of interviews. I, I was writing little notes in my notebooks, just preparing for them, and I noticed quite a lot of them started with C, and I was like, okay, what's in this? Could I make a sort of simple, simple kind of um, sort of template or tool for people to use? So yeah, my my five Cs are control. So um, trying to work out what you're in control of, and obviously in this situation. It can feel like we're not in control of anything, but actually that's not true. So um, how can you create that sort of sense of control? So obviously following the medical advice, um, doing what you can in terms of making practical plans um, is also really helpful. So focus on the things you are able to control in your day-to-day lives, and that will help, help reduce anxiety. But also focusing on then the flip side of that. So things that you're not able to control. Um, And there are plenty of those at the moment. So even writing a little list of those. And when one of those comes into your head and starts worrying you, you can look at your list and say, okay, I can identify this thought as something that I cannot control at the moment. So then what can I do to let go of that? It might be distracting yourself with some music or art. It might be visualization where you're actually letting go of that and visualizing letting go of that or breathing exercises something like that to let go of that so control is the first C second C is care so it's all about sharing getting dressed basic self-care third one is continuity so that's all about creating little touchstones in your day to create a sense of normality when everything is is very changeable to make you feel like there's some sense of of grounding the fourth C is creativity. So that's all about using painting and art and nature and gardening and whatever else you want to do to actually create space around your thoughts and feelings and take you away from those. And the last C is compassion. So that's all about kindness to yourself if you're having a really tough day or being gentle with yourself. And also, obviously, at this time, really important kindness to other people and um, because we know that that helps not only other people but it also helps our own mental health and our own self-esteem as well so they're my little five c's <laughs> <laughs> and have you have you found that you've been personally following these as well uh, yes definitely so I haven't always managed to follow them but I've definitely been aware of them so if I'm having a particularly tough moment in a day I would try and think, okay, what is it that I, I'm either being affected by or that I'm not perhaps using in those five C's to help me? So, for example, um, it might be if I'm sort of starting to worry about something um, that's not out, that's not in my control, I'm sitting there thinking, okay, out of the five C's, which is this? It's that one. So what can I do? I need to let it go. Or I'm feeling a bit stressed out or a bit sad. What can I do? Okay, I can listen to a sad song and just have a cry. So I have been trying to sort of use them as little moment tools um, to work out what's going on inside of me and then hopefully putting a little action plan together to help myself feel better. Mm. Now, obviously thousands of people have been affected, haven't they, across the UK and the world by coronavirus. Um, Yeah. Whether that's losing a loved one or being away from a loved one. Personally, how has it affected you, Rada? So I think on a personal level, it's definitely made me um, reflect on my own sort of psychology and how I handle things and my um, reaction to sort of uh, stress and change. And I definitely um, I'm learning a lot about myself in terms of how I react and and the sort of the the things that help me and the things that perhaps the patterns that perhaps are not so helpful so um I've always been someone who likes to plan and likes to have plans in place for the future and um and sort of goal setting and obviously that's very difficult at the moment and so I've really had to work with myself to really try to let go of that sort of um 
control and that um, that need for planning and, and actually change my goals, recognise that my goals actually now need to be more day-to-day and more moment-to-moment based rather than in the future. So that's definitely been one of the things that has affected me. And obviously, you know, like everybody else, not seeing my friends, I've been missing them a lot, not seeing members of my family, obviously worrying about everyone's health and their well-being. Um, so it's, a, it's you know, it's affected, affected a, a, you know, everyone, my, myself included, in, in lots of different ways. And, and I'm sure that, you know, as the situation progresses, we're all going to individually learn uh, more about how it's how it's been affecting us. I think um, one of the things that I, I I have found really comforting is though that you know our, our focus has been a lot more on kindness and community and connection, and also on those things for well-being that actually are pretty much accessible for all of us. And actually, really going back to sort of basics about well-being you know how can nature or music or art help us with our mental well-being and how can we help each other and I, and I think those things I, I'm taking solace in those things and um, I'm finding those things a big comfort right now um, in the midst of obviously lots of challenge and lots of grief and sadness and uncertainty. Mm. I mean I've noticed that as well I feel like the world's becoming a bit more positive even though there's such a weight of negativity on on it at the moment. I feel like, especially on social media and when you go out for walks, just people just seem to be saying hello more or being a bit more open. And in a way, it's whatever way you look at it, it, it's sort of sad, isn't it, that a pandemic has, has, um, you know, has caused, not caused that, but um, it's took a pandemic to, for people to be nice. But I suppose that just depends on where, where you're from in the world, I guess. Yeah, I think it does. And I, I I think it, like you say, often, I mean, even on an individual basis, <clears throat> it's often sometimes in a time of sort of crisis that you start to see the wood for the trees, if you know what I mean. You, you, it's sometimes, even in our own individual lives, the things, certain things seem to have to sort of happen or they do happen. Um, and then it's at those times when we, sometimes when we're at our lowest, that we actually think and we actually sort of see sometimes what's important, what's of value, and then we can start that process of, of healing. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm, I, I suppose if you look at it in that way, perhaps this is what's happening on a collective level as well, is that, you know, um, this situation is bringing into focus a lot of the things that, um, you know, are hopefully helpful for us. And it's very difficult to see that at the moment, isn't it? It's very difficult um, to see all of this awful tragic news um, but I'm hoping that we can try to focus on some of those things and and try to see some of those things even if it's like you say just someone waving from a, from across the road and far away while you're out for your walk I think we I think it's helping me to try and focus on those things at the moment. Mm. And um, we can go on to talk about your tips for morning and evening anxiety shortly but I was just wondering if you have any general tips for perhaps someone who's you know used to routine and is is really anxious about you know when lockdown restrictions are going to be lifted yeah it's really hard I think the uncertainty of that and the uncertainty of of when this is going to end is one of the most challenging things because as human beings um we like to sort of have a date and when we have a date we can work towards that and we know is coming to an end um and it's a bit like I don't know if you've ever experienced this but I know if I've 
you know, before this situation, if you're going out for a drive or you're driving somewhere to see your friend and you've never been there before, the journey there always seems longer than the journey home. Mm. And that's because we don't know where we're going. (laughs) Um, And I think it's a similar sort of parallel. So if anyone is struggling with that uncertainty, I I would first of all say recognise that it is um, a valid feeling you're not on your own. We we are all feeling this anxiety because of the uncertainty. And I think sometimes, although it's very difficult, um, actually trying to recognise and let go of that and say, okay, I'm not going to fight the uncertainty. I'm going to try to say it's there and I'm going to try and accept it rather than push against it. Because when we push against things, it not only takes our emotional reserve and our energy but also it it can sometimes make the anxiety worse so although it's tough if you can sit in those moments of anxiety about the uncertainty and and let those feelings be there sometimes those feelings actually ease in terms of anxiety um so I would say that first of all I think secondly there are still things that we can do even though we don't know when the end of this will be to create some sense of routine or some sense of goal setting. So even if you were to take um, a sort of little planner and work work towards, you know, a couple of months' time, or even not even put in months, just have a general scheme, maybe just a horizontal line, and, and still put in there some goals. Now that line, we don't have a timeline, we don't have months or days on that, but, but that gives us a general sense of, of direction. So even if you were to plot on that timeline little goals little senses of routine and what you're going to do you can adapt that timeline to however long this situation goes on for so you've still got a sense of direction and forward movement and I think maybe that will be helpful Mm. so so what are your tips then for for morning anxiety so for morning anxiety um one things I find really helpful is to as soon as you wake up open your window and try to look at the sky, feel the air on your face, or listen to the birds or, or the sounds of nature that are around you. Hopefully everyone can can hear some of those right now wherever you're living. Because I think that gives you a sense of grounding. Nature is there. Nature is a very grounding source at the moment. So doing that first of all, getting up after five seconds. <laughs> this is quite challenging, but it's a bit like a, a rocket launcher. Um, because if you can get, get up after counting five down to zero then you have less time for those negative thoughts to ruminate and circulate in your mind and cause anxiety. Then when you do get up, feel your feet on the ground. So those kind of grounding techniques of being very aware of your feet, making contact with the surface of the floor, deep breathing, belly breathing is very helpful, or even just smelling something like um, your morning cup of coffee or perhaps essential oils or, or something that brings you comfort is helpful to ground. Um, and then and then lastly, actually, you know, I mean, sometimes obviously people find um, doing some exercise in the morning really helpful for anxiety um, or it might just be going to have, you know, a warm shower and eating some breakfast. Those things can really help you start to move or even just putting on your favourite song or your favourite bit of music. They just help you take take you away from those thoughts or those feelings for a little bit so you can start to get your day going. Mm. And what about the evening then? So evening, I think evening is is super important. So I think one of the really important things to do is to draw a boundary from your day into your evening. 
So evening should be that time of relaxation, of comfort, of reassurance. So if you can draw a line from your day, that might be writing down a list of your worries or um, putting away your work, putting away your school books or your study books away from sight. So you've got all of those worries and those things from the day out of your head. Sometimes that one form of exercise um, going out um, might be really useful in the evening to kind of just reset you and actually kind of draw a line and a boundary between your day and in the evening time. Um, other thing I find really helpful is not to listen or consume news too soon to bedtime because that can create a lot of anxiety and difficulty in sleeping. I love podcasts. I love audiobooks. Um, I love reading. So again, doing something like that every night to take your mind away and into a different story and a, a kind of a different world is helpful. Um, and also making sure you're having a sort of set routine. So you're doing the same things in the same order before you go to bed, because that helps signal to your brain you're getting ready for sleep. Um, and if you do find, you know, that sense of loneliness at night, then kind of choosing one or two friends perhaps who you text or you ring in the evening as your kind of touchstones just to have a little chat before you go to sleep to hear a human voice I think also can really help with anxiety. Um, so there, there are a few things that I, I sort of found useful or shared with other people. Mm. And what is the thing that you've been doing the most rather in the evenings that have helped you? Um, so for me, actually, it's a bit of a strange one. I was having a bath oh, yeah. <laughs> or a shower. <laughs> so I don't know why, but for me, water is very relaxing. So actually for me, um, if I have a bath or a shower, it's a real signal to me that I'm getting ready for bed or to go to sleep. Um, I don't know why, but it has a real, maybe it's sort of a symbolic thing. I'm just sort of um, you know, letting go of the day and um, it's nice and warm. Obviously, like, you know, using lovely shower gels that smell nice or something else in the bath really relaxes me. So I think that's my top tip is to, is to have a bath or a shower. Oh, no, I love a bath. <laughs> love a candlelit bath. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so I don't know about about who you live with, Rhonda, but I, I live with my partner, um, Mark, um, and I'm sure a lot of people um, across the UK are perhaps struggling with, you know, having an extra member of the household in the household all the time and mm -hmm. all the stresses that come with that. Um, so how would you sort of process that and... and how would you sort of process anger and the irritability and the strain that might come with that? Mm, yeah, um, that's a great question. So um, I think first thing to say is anger is um, a normal emotion. It's appropriate emotion. It's something that we all feel. And I think um, sometimes we don't like to speak about anger because it we feel we shouldn't or we need to kind of um, hide that away. Um, sometimes I think sadness is, is easier for us to talk about and things like anger but we do need to speak about anger because you know unless we process it in a healthy way obviously it can come out in a very dysfunctional and harmful way so 
tips to sort of irritability or anger or bad temper um, will be definitely to have some space from that other person. Now, obviously, you know, if you're um, living in a very small space, that can be more challenging. But I always find that the bathroom or the toilet is a helpful place because generally um, you can kind of you know, pop yourself in there and there's a lock on the door and you can just go in there and have a little bit of time to yourself. So take space away from that argument um, uh, or go out for your one form of exercise, go out in your garden if you're lucky enough to have a garden and just take, you know, 10, 20 minutes to just have a break from that initially. Then try to... Um, you know process your anger in other ways so it might be kicking a football it might be drumming it might be listening to some really um fast sort of music um it might be cycling really fast um something that just helps you kind of get that feeling out of your system and on the converse listening to something relaxing so relaxing music or again nature sounds really helpful loads of things on youtube for that and then lastly trying to understand where the argument has come from so we don't necessarily need to agree and we can't agree with everyone all the time. We may need to agree to disagree, um, but trying to put yourself in their shoes. So what, what are they saying? What's their, what's their issue? What are they trying to communicate? And actually trying to understand that. And often what underlies anger is fear or vulnerability or anxiety. So trying to think what is that person's vulnerability or anxiety and how might it be coming out and then being bad tempered, trying to address that with them. And in, if you're trying to address that, then obviously that really important use of language. So language that doesn't blame, like you, you made me feel this or you've made me angry, more language like when you said this, I felt angry. Mm. And that really detaches blame and then hopefully helps with resolution of, of that argument or whatever you might be disagreeing on. Obviously, there's going to be a range of emotions coming up, isn't there? Anger, stress, um, fear, or perhaps creativity on the on the other side of the scale. What's been, um, would you say, the emotion that you've experienced the most during lockdown? Um, probably the emotion that I've experienced the most is probably anxiety, actually. Um, uh, and I think I think you know it's a very, and I suppose that's sort of fear, isn't it? And I, I think it's a very, I think it's from what I've seen just online or who I've spoken to or um, in my broadcasting, I think that ten, that seems to be the sort of the, the emotion that's that's most there at the moment, most prevalent at the moment. That may obviously change as things, you know, the situation changes. But I think because our whole world has changed, that sense of safety and um, recognition and control in grounding is, is very difficult. And I think, so I think anxiety and fear is, probably one of the most prevalent emotions um and i think it's very important to recognize that fear is appropriate and fear has its place um it's a basic survival kind of instincts um but also that obviously it then can become overwhelming and it can then lead us to not only sort of have damaging effects on our health but also it, it perhaps sometimes isn't helpful in terms of actually getting us to where we want to be so I think recognizing that is 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 useful and and again there will be some people who will never ever have experienced anxiety at this level before so trying to help each other work out strategies to, to use in those moments um to deal with anxiety I think is helpful mm. and I think that's where I've been finding comfort is lots of people are, are sharing what they're using to help others 
Yeah, and we'll, we'll come on to that in a, in, a, in a minute. I just wanted to touch upon, though, with you, the, perhaps the anxiety and the stresses that parents are feeling right now because they're suddenly faced with this new challenge of homeschooling. And before yeah. coronavirus, it was, you know, um, the debate of mental health versus children's ed- education was quite prevalent, wasn't it, in the news? And I suppose that's even more prevalent now, the fact that, you know, some some children are potentially facing um, a delay of the GCSEs or A-levels and mm. um, they're dealing with the stresses of that. But then much younger children, how do you sort of balance them learning with also protecting their mental health? And that must be tough as a parent. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm not a parent myself as yet, but definitely my sisters are and um, my friends, obviously a lot of my friends are as well. And so I've I've definitely heard from them that sort of challenge that they're experiencing, plus obviously on top of them, um, some of them working as well and obviously trying to manage their own mental well-being. Um, so I think it's, I think, um, I mean, one of my feelings about that is that actually in order to learn, a, children need to have good mental health and good emotional well-being. And so actually they can't learn anything unless they feel safe and um, that they're able to express how they feel and they're being heard. So I think really that foundation, um, you know, the starting point is mental and emotional health and well-being. Um, and there are lots of things that obviously parents can do. They have facing a really tough job at the moment. I, I would say to all parents that you're doing an amazing job. Um, you know, you don't have to get everything perfect. And I'm sure um, that, you know, whatever you're doing is enough. So I think that's important to say first of all but things that parents can do are actually obviously depending on that the age of the child is to really um ask them how they are really listen to how they're feeling and create that environment where their children can feel like they can come and tell them anything i think that's the most important thing encourage them to connect with their friends online encourage them to have goals goal setting even if that's very small goals um it's really important and also you know at, at school children get their get a lot of their sense of self-esteem you know peers congratulate them teachers congratulate them and and they can feel a lot of um of, of good sort of self-esteem and self-belief at school so again trying to instill that in them and, and saying well done to them is really important and i think obviously dependent on the age of the child of course um but you know also um telling them how you're feeling as a parent not necessarily everything obviously and it will depend on that child that individual child how much you share um but explaining that you know we're all feeling the same things i think children respect that and then children feel safe and they feel comforted that they can actually also tell you when they're feeling worried or sad. So I think it's, um, I've always really admired Roald Dahl mm. um, as an author because he he very much um, speaks the truth to children and very much, um, is very much, his story is very much based in, in reality with some very, sort of often very sad things happening in, in um, his characters' lives. And I think children really relate and respond to that authenticity um, because then they know where they are and they know where they stand. And um, I think we can learn a lot from authors like Roald Dahl, for example, who really um, allow children to um, to hear some of that truth. And obviously that will depend on the age and the individual child. And obviously we don't want to overwhelm our children. But I think there's a there's a, a, a very true message in, in that as well. Mm. And one of those challenging emotions that you've talked about, Rada, is grief, isn't it? Because... Grief is very difficult any time of the year or any time in life, really. 
but it must be more difficult now the fact that you know you can't look to your family for support well you can but you can't physically mm-hmm. give them a hug or and there's there's yeah. um the situation of you know not having a proper funeral right now to to obey by the social distancing rules mm. how would how would you sort of describe um sorry not describe how would you advise people who are struggling with grief right now at home mm. i mean like you say it's it's um it's a horrendous situation it's like I say grief is you know is overwhelming at any any point in time let alone now so I think first thing I'd say is that you know to recognize that and I know that sounds very um uh it, that doesn't sound very useful but I think actually recognizing that this is an incredibly challenging situation when you're dealing with grief is important because then when you're having those difficult days um you can then be gentle with yourself and you can be extra gentle with yourself and I think all of the all of the sort of advice that we normally give people when they're grieving is sort of ramped should be kind of ramped up you know 10 100 times more right now so that that is that if you are struggling to reach out for support it's not obviously it's it's not the same as in person but you know video calling seeing someone's um face there making eye contact with them um hearing their voice and seeing their expressions can still really be helpful in terms of processing and making us feel like we're not alone and if you haven't got anyone to do that with then there are amazing organizations bereavement charities like cruise uh, like winston's wish um like child bereavement uk uh, or the good grief trust there are loads of different organizations there are just a few of them but they have amazing people and and brilliant helplines to help you if you haven't got anyone to to help you with that and I think I think that other thing of um, just allowing yourself to have different emotions and not to suppress them or push them down is also very important. And taking solace in things like nature and music and connecting with people um, can also really help. Again, depending on where you are in, in that in that bereavement experience, things like making a memory box or or trying to um, do something at home that is um, in memory of that person, whatever that may be, can also really help. But I think my main message at this time is really to reach out for support. And um, that is the most important thing, I think, for people right now, um, even more so than normal. Mm. And, and going back to your Twitter, um there's lots of positivity on, on your profile and, and from other users as well. And I'm particularly interested in, um, you've mentioned it a couple of times now on, on the episode, uh, music and nature. And you mm-hmm. talk about a, forgive me if I've not pronounced this right, a music frizzin. Is it frizzin? Um, oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. music fr- uh, frisson. I think it, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not sure if it's pronounced like that, but that's my interpretation of it. Yeah. <laughs> so talk to me a bit about that because I I'm, I feel like I definitely experienced this and um, especially which you've also discussed with, with classical music as well. There's something about a bit of piano that just makes mm. me very relaxed. Yeah, so I came across this when I was... I've, I've been doing a little tw- thing on my Twitter um 
different um, themes every week uh, in terms of what's helpful for our mental health right now. And they've included things like our pets or animals, um, nature and wildlife, music. And this week is art and craft. And I'm going to carry on doing different ones. But basically, when I was doing the music week last week, I came across some research which um, suggested that when we listen to a certain piece of music and it really resonates with us emotionally, um, that we can get a sort of musical free song. We feel that kind of chill or that emotional response to it physically in our bodies and there have been some studies suggesting that that could be related to um the sort of of release of dopamine in our in our systems that kind of feel good uh chemical um and i just thought that was really really interesting and i I definitely experienced that um uh if i'm listening to certain tracks of music um especially if i'm exercising at the same time um so yeah it was just a really interesting um interesting piece of music and i think again with different types of music like classical or or rock or pop or whatever your thing is um you know we we find different um solace we find different bits of comfort in that and often with classical music like you're mentioning piano um different instruments can take on different characters in in our minds and you know, different characters which kind of display different emotions um and i think like music is a real like amazing sort of pick and mix where you can choose the type or the artist who you need in that moment to help you with the feeling that you're going through mm, definitely and you you mentioned um you're going to be looking at a a, a new theme each week to help with mental well-being yeah. um, have what's people's reactions been like that on on your social media it's been really lovely, actually. It's been amazing. Uh, people have really got engaged. It's been really, it's actually been a lovely way to start the day off, actually. And a lot of people have said this has been a lovely conversation. So it's been great. People have, um, I mean, particularly with um, when we did um, our pets and how good our pets and animals are for us, um, that was just beautiful because people were sending in pictures of their dogs and cats and tortoises and all kinds of things and really some beautiful um, stories about um assistance dogs or therapy dogs and how they've helped people in really challenging situations that was beautiful um and then the wildlife one again was fantastic because of all the you know, it just showed how much um enthusiasm and how much love people have for nature i think nature is is a real sort of savior at the moment and the music one was just wonderful because everyone was sharing their different tracks and artists and um it actually was a real sense of community and connection. And again, that is also part of it. It's like when you share these things, you're actually creating connection and and a time when actually we're obviously, you know, having to stay away from each other. So it, it kind of had loads of different benefits, but I loved it. I, I found new artists, new tracks. Um, it really has opened up my mind as well. So I've been really enjoying it. And it's a good way to make new friends as well, isn't it? A virtual, yeah. new virtual friends. Yeah, I've come across some amazing people doing amazing things and amazing organisations who are just doing wonderful things. And you think, wow, you know, it really does, um, in a time of real difficulty, it really does help you see the, the sort of the good bits in life and the and the wonderful people. And it really helps you, I think, in that way too. Mm. And and finally, Ryder, what's what's the first thing you're going to do when, when um, lockdown is over? Oh wow, that is actually a good question. Oh my gosh. Oh, it might be might, might be many I love things. That. <laughs> yeah, I mean there are, yeah, I mean actually one of my friends is saying the other day that she's making a list of all the things she's gonna do, which I think is wonderful. I might do that. I haven't done that as yet. Um 
oh, do you know what? I think I'm going to go out of the front door and I'm just going to shout for joy um, <laughs> and literally just let it all out um, in that way. And then I think I'm going to go and see the members of my family that I haven't been able to see and give them a big hug. And then I'm going to get dressed up and go out with my friends and go and dance and um, go to some lovely festival or play public area where there are loads of people and just celebrate the fact that we're all together again. That sounds like a very, very good plan. Yes. <laughs> and even when I talk about that, it's actually making me quite emotional to think about it. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, that we've it, been... it, will, it will happen. It will come. Mm. It will come. Mm. Yeah. But the fact that we've been deprived of these simple things for so long almost makes you appreciate them more. Yes, it definitely, 100%. Mm. And again, like gratitude is a really great tool, isn't it, at the moment? But I think, like you say, it's making us really, really think about what's important to us, what our values are, what our priorities are. And like you say, just how much, how much wonderful, how many wonderful things we have in our lives or, and what we've experienced. And actually, like you say, just be really appreciative for them. And I, and I really hope, and I do believe that we won't forget, we won't forget that. We won't forget um, to be grateful for these things now, not after this experience. Mm. 